And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post Podcast, where Bobby Marks, we had a trade. We're 16 days away from the trade deadline and the Lakers and the Wizards. Oh my God, a barn burner. This is going to turn everything around for the Lakers. Rui Hachimura, disgruntled tweener forward in the last year of his rookie deal, former number nine pick. Uh, the latest, or the, the the not quite the latest, but one of a long line of disappointing Wizards draft picks between like 8 and 16 in the last year of his rookie deal dealt to the Lakers for Kendrick Nunn. Uh, would be savior Kendrick Nunn, much hyped, like this is the guy. We've been waiting on this guy, Kendrick Nunn, in three second round picks. And here's where we find ourselves, Bobby. I looked at the Western Conference standings this morning, and you know intuitively, like, it's jam-packed. Oh, my God. Seeds 5 to 13. So that's nine teams. There are only 15 teams in the conference. Seeds 5 to 13, which I believe is Dallas to Portland right now, all have either 23, 24, or 25 losses, which means any of them can finish anywhere from 5 to 13, including the Lakers, who just will not die. Um... Every time there's a trade like this, I like only Wizards fans, 18 of them, and sick people like you and I are actually watching the Washington Wizards. The rest of the people who are normal NBA fans only maybe watch the Wizards if their team's playing the Wizards, if even that. But they've heard of Rui Hachimura. They know he's a top 10 pick. He's world famous. Um, and so when a trade like this happens, the reaction is instantly like, what a steal for the Lakers. That's all the Wizards could get for Rui Hachimura. What a disgrace. Contract the franchise. That's it. Um, I, I think all of that is slightly wrongheaded. But what was your initial uh, reaction to this? Other than, the, you know, let's let's for, for now forestall the what does this mean for the Lakers cap space offseason yeah. plans, which I think is quite interesting. What did you think of the, the trade on its own? I thought that I, I we always I think we made too much into the Lakers first round picks that we talked about at nauseum twenty seven and twenty nine. I just felt that if there was going to be a deal that it was going to involve seconds because they had seven, including one of them is the Chicago um, second that went back to Chicago. Ironically, two of those picks were part of the Westbrook trade, right? So basically, came back like full circle here. The Chicago one and then the two thousand twenty eight, which is like the less favorable. Um, of the Wizards or the Lakers here. Um, well, between Beal rumors and Kuzma rumors that never stop, it's like, and Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown Jr., it's kind of like they've just become one franchise at this point <laughs> in all the interchangeable parts. Like, <laughs> would the, how far would that franchise get in the playoffs if you just combine the teams? It'd be a pretty damn good team. But anyway, <laughs> keep going. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, a couple thoughts. I mean, he, you know, everyone was looking at it like, well, he's a former lottery pick. Why couldn't you have gotten the first? And I said, well, he basically, he couldn't stay on the court. Um, you look at his games played, right? I mean, whether it be, you know, he was out last year for, per, you know, whether it be personal reasons, he had an ankle this year. Um, his shooting numbers are, are down. I know he, his last game was that 30 point game against Orlando. Um, but I think he was like 33% off catch and shoot threes this year. I want to say um, for, I think it was a little bit higher 47 last year. Um, I think what it signals is that um, that they're they're willing to spend on Kyle Kuzma. Um, the Wizards, as far 
the Wizards are. Um, and, and likely that they think Kyle Kuzma will be receptive to them spending on him instead of lose or nothing. Lose him yeah, I think he was the big winner. Traded a guy who was going to be a restricted free agent. I mean, you could have held on to them as an insurance policy in case the Kuzma price tag was going to be big, too high. But um, so I get it from the, the Wizards perspective as far as moving off. I just I just think and, I, and I'll get to the Lakers in a minute. I mean, I, I just I guess I'm a little bit disappointed where like they're, the track record of drafting is not good in Washington. It's not no good around, at all. I mean, besides no Bradley Beal. It's it's not been it's not good, and eventually you're going to need one of these players to give you know two of these guys to hit, unless you just want to be a 35, 36 win team. I mean that's the kind of the reality of it for from the Wizards' perspective. Um, for the Lakers, I think there's a lot of multiple ways you, we can look at it here. Um, you know, you get a four, so basically, I mean, but when AD comes back, you put AD back at the five, right? Um, uh, Thomas Bryant's been really good. I mean, really good. He's been he's been good enough, and I wrote about this before the season. I think they need to f- explore eight minutes a game of the two of them together because Thomas Bryant can shoot it well enough. I mean, he had such a – he had the one bubble year where he shot the hell out of it from three, and then he had injuries and the shooting fell off. It, it, if that bubble year was anything like real, there is a world where the two of them can play together. I don't think you want to uh, do that given how great AD has been as the only center on the floor, but he's been good enough that – you got to explore that. Yeah. I mean, and it gives, I mean, it gives you, I mean, something they've lacked is bigs. You know, there was a glut of guards there. None goes out. Um, you know, you still have those two first here. I think it's a matter of like kind of then what's next now, right? Like what's going to be the next move? Because as you mentioned, you know, he's a restricted free agent here. Uh, Woj said yesterday that there's the intent that to resign him when he becomes a, a free agent. Um, I know in talking, um, in the off season, I guess in October, you know, there was, um, you know, in that $12 million number there, there right was, there, there, there yeah. was, uh, I think it came down to the wire. I, I think like 13, 14, 12, yeah. something in there and Hachimura wouldn't take it. And yeah. that, and by the way, that given where the mid-level is like, that's yeah. a totally reasonable decision for him. Yeah. The mid-level isn't seven or $8 million anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's eventually it's going to be like 11 million. So it's, it's close to that here. So, I, I think you look at what the Lakers have done over the last, you know, whether it be the Memphis game or the Portland game. And I think they think internally, like we have a legit shot to, get, to crack the top six. And you mentioned where the standings are. You know, they've got the Clippers coming up here. Um, but I, my big my um, what I'm interested in now is now are, are one of those first in play now. Right. Are one of those first in play is Westbrook in play. Because let's face it, if your goal is to bring Hachimura or sign Rui in the offseason, like so you're either going to act as a team with cap space or you're going to take a direction right now where we want to target players that are under contract for two under for in under 2023, 24, or have their bird rights and basically acquire three or four players instead of going into the free agent game. Yeah, the Lakers are two and a half games and two in the loss column out of fifth. That's that's it. That's nothing. Like that's that's it's not nothing given just how many teams there are, but it's it's not it's not much. Um and they have been playing all year long. You got to give them credit. For as much of a show as they were for the first 15 games of the year, are they going to start 0 and 7? Oh my god, whatever. Like they never stopped competing. 
That's a credit to the players. It's a credit to Darvin Ham. They compete every game. Like, even the other end against Portland, they fall behind 71-46. The Blazers are laughing it up. The crowd's taunting them. They come out, and they're like, we can win the game. Like, we, we can still win. We're not rolling over. And it's just not AD out. Reeves has been out. Walker's been out. Like, those are two of their best perimeter players. And I, I do think – I just want to talk for a second about LeBron because as he approaches the scoring record – a lot of the analysis on LeBron is like big picture, retrospective. He, for the millionth time, is the first person at his age to do X. Um, it's remarkable what he's doing at his age. You look at his his career in total, all the records he's going to break, and he's about to break the most hallowed one probably in the sport. And I do think it's getting a little overlooked, the fact that he's still amazing. Like, he's still amazing. And for a while... I think it was overlooked because the Lakers were losing and some of the games they lost had the feel of like, he'd just get the ball on the left block and be like, you know what? I'm going to kind of pivot and take a couple fadeaways here just to see if I get some buckets and low stakes and I'll pull up from three a couple times. Cause why not? You know, I don't feel like going to the rim. This game's not worth it. That, that it, like there are stakes now and here are the numbers. This is since Anthony Davis got hurt on December 16th, I think. The Lakers since then, with LeBron on the floor, are plus 99. With LeBron off the floor, they are minus 114. That is crazy town. The plus 99 is a big number. It means that his play is still winning. Winning play. Against teams that are trying to win. Like good teams. I mean, everyone in the West, every night, is like it's like a freaking playoff game. And... Their starting lineup right now, you could argue Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, LeBron, um, uh, Thomas Bryant. Who am I forgetting? I don't know. Somebody else. They've been, um, they've been going a little Toscano-Anderson too, right? Yeah, they've had JTA. Been, yeah. it, it's, it, you could argue it's four backups and LeBron, yeah. and they're still winning these minutes. And so I, I like this deal for them. Um, Rui is in the, the last – I wrote this in 10 things either last week or the week before. The last month has been the best stretch of Rui Hachimura's career. He can score. Now, the fit is going to be interesting because, as you said, uh, the three-point shooting has been mostly mediocre for his career with the exception of last season when he didn't play very much, but shot very well. LeBron's going to make all those looks easier, right? He's going to have to make them. What he's really wanted to do in his career is take long twos off the dribble and out of post-ups against switches. There's going to be less room for him to do that with the Lakers. He's going to have to make threes. He's also been an empty calories scorer for most of his career. He's like Allen Houston power forward. Remember Allen Houston? Yeah. I'm not saying that Allen Houston was not an empty calorie scorer, but he was the king of like 22-1-1 one, one box score lines, 22-2-2. Two, two. That's Rui. He's an awful passer. He's a bad rebounder. His defense sort of lacks feel, and his best position is the four, which is also LeBron's best position on defense. So they're going to have to figure all that out. But there's talent there, and it's a good buy-low for the Lakers and for the Wizards, as you pointed out, like I understand that people clown the Wizards. Um, you mentioned, do you just want to be a 35, 36 win team? They might just want to be a 35 or 36 win team that maybe one year wins 45 and gets to the second round and is competitive. If they lock into Kuzma and Porzingis in the offseason, that's what they're going to be. Um, but they're still run by basketball people if there were a first round pick to be had for Rui Hachimura 
they would have the first-round pick today. There was no first-round pick. The rest of the league has watched Rui Hachimura put up 12-0-0 lines and play bad defense. Like, that's just what it is. So I think it's a fair fair deal for both teams. It's disappointing for the Wizards because they need to turn those picks into real players, as you said, and they didn't. And they didn't turn Rui into a player who's going to help their team going forward. But I think it's a good deal. I think it's a good deal for both teams. And whether Rui starts or comes off the bench, and I know there's reporting that he, they plan to start him. Okay, we'll see. It's, it's worth a shot. Like, Rui, LeBron, AD, and two guards, that's worth a look. Well, yeah. I mean, I think – and I was asked um, yesterday um, on radio in Washington that um, should they, could they have just waited until we got closer to February 9th? And I said, well, the, basically Kendrick Nunn in three seconds would have went somewhere else, right, if it wasn't – Hachimura would have been somewhere else. And that was the, you know, basically the best deal. I'm yeah. I mean, I think when you have currency and second round picks um, that, that that's more used in a trade like we saw yesterday here. And I think there is a little bit, you know, somewhat of a sense of urgency to get something more accomplished now than wait two weeks. And that's what they did. Yeah. There's a lot of um, the disappoint, the Wizards screwed up faction will be like, Second round picks don't matter. Who cares about second round picks? And the Wizards do have a long track record of selling or punting on second round picks. That's been less the case in recent years. But, you know, Jordan Clarkson, for instance, was a Wizards second round pick um, to, to tie up the two franchises again. But at the same token, the Lakers just got Rui Hachimura with second round picks. So if you love the deal for the Lakers and hate the deal for the Wizards, you can't hold those two diametrically opposed views of the worth of Second round picks. Can I throw a fake uh, yeah. uh, Russell Westbrook and first go. round paid picks trade at you? Um, let me put on my Bill Simmons hat hmm. and ask you who says no. Okay. Zach Levine for Russell Westbrook and both first round picks. Let's say one is unprotected and the second one has the most limited possible protections that are allowable under NBA rules, which are whatever. I don't have the bandwidth to look them up right now. I would, lo- I would love to have asked this question in, in the off season, but I can't because Westbrook's a free agent. Um, and I would love to go one more run with this group in the playoffs. If they get in the play in the play in, I guess I would probably, I would do it. Um, I would seriously consider if I was Chicago and I think my intent would be then now what's your direction or now what do you do with Damar and Nick? Um, but I think two unprotected ones for, for I mean, that I'm just, you know, be, between him and uh, Beal, man, it's, I don't think it's going to be pretty on the back end of those contracts here. Well, I don't um, think Beal, I don't think Beal is even a conversation right now. No, for, it isn't. For, any, because for anybody and Beal's, specifically Beal, for that package. Is it Beal, no for Washington? Beal's not a conversation, Zach, just because like the no trade, man, like, like the no trade has a lot, I mean, it carries a lot of weight, man. Like if if let's I'm, I, let's just throw out a hypothetical here. Let's say um, Toronto just came and 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 offered Masai offered four first to Tommy Shepard. Right, great. I want to do it. Well, Bradley Beal just can veto, right? It's like, it's like the baseball players. Like they have four teams where they want to go to here. So I don't think Beal's a, a conversation right now here. But for for me with Zach, um. I would probably consider it because I don't, I don't see this roster. Although they've, you know, they had a good win against Atlanta, I guess at home. Um, 
I just I don't see it getting into that top four, top five. I think you, there has to be some type of some type of pivot here um, with this group. Here's my gut, because this is one of the few Russ plus both picks trades that is still even in theory kind of viable. And I stress in theory because I'm going to make the argument for why Chicago wouldn't do it in a second. My gut is the Lakers would do it because. That's their that's their free agency in one fell swoop. It would come with some pretty painful tax implications. That's a big big contract, um, and it, and this is not a franchise that spends like the Clippers or you know the Warriors or whatever. Um, it would give them a playmaker, and and I think Russ's ascension as their sixth man has shown that they need playmaking. And Anthony Davis in particular needs someone to set him up on the second unit, and LeBron needs another playmaker. Although Dennis Schroeder has been quietly fantastic for them in the starting five lately. Um, I think the, I, my gut is the Lakers do it. Here's the argument for why Chicago should do it. And I'm not saying they should, but if you think they should, this is the argument. We won't take that big of a... The, the numbers and the evidence say we will not take that much of an on-court step back if DeMar DeRozan stays healthy. If DeMar DeRozan gets injured, we're screwed. That's probably the case anyway. Vucevic has played very, very well for the last month. We can probably flip this contract of an all-star, a two-time all-star, Zach Levine, that is, I think, has four years and $180 million left on it after this year. He's had knee issues. He looks like himself again, explosive-wise, but you just never know. Teams are wary. We get two first-round picks for that. That's good business for us. We're off that contract. On the court, maybe we don't get that much worse. Uh, the case against it is, A, we really like Zach Levine. He's the main guy we got in the Butler trade way back when. He's very good, shooting the hell out of it again this season, playing better and better as the year goes on. The Bulls are also quietly 11-6 and six in their last 17 games. Their next three games are Pacers, Charlotte, Orlando. Now, the Bulls have crapped the bed against bad teams all season. If they take care of business against those teams, they will be 25-24, and 24, one game over 500. Exactly where I think if you told them a month ago they would have been that when they were 11-18, and 18, they would be thrilled. They'd be right in the play-in, play-off, you know, outside shot at the six-seed race. So I don't think they would do it. Um, I don't think they would do it. But I do think that's a deal that they – should consider if it were ever proper to them. By the way, I asked you to make your 12-man all-star rosters. Did DeMar make your uh, yes. Eastern Conference all-star team? he was team? my 12th guy. He was the second guy. The, he was the final wild card. Yes. I had trouble with it. Both teams. I got to make I got to write my uh, all-star card. <laughs> I, I think I think with um and you made you're making really good points here. I think if, if I think if you were Chicago and this was a year from now and they just finished a year where they lost in the play-in and they're 25 and 24 right now, right? Same group. Then I think, yes, right? I think it's more of a like, guys, where are we going here, right? I just think it's a little bit too fresh, right? Just year one. Um, I, let's see where this group, you know, is there another, are we the Boston of last year, right? Can we, you know, can we get into the, you know, you probably, can we get to six? I don't think so. Miami's, Miami's yeah. built a little separation there now yeah. and is getting healthy. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a, it's a, I mean, I would look at it, but I think it's a little bit too, 
as I said, a little too fresh where if it was a year from now, I, I would think I would be probably more, more considerate. I guess my, Miami has actually not built much separation. They're only a game ahead of the Knicks, who have lost four in a row, and they're um, two games ahead of the Hawks, who have lost two in a row after a nice five-game winning streak that kind of quelled some of the Hawksy melodrama that's been going on there. Um, but it just feels like Miami is set to kind of stabilize as a good team that wins, you know, three out of every five games. It just sort of crawls up toward locking in six and. You know, I mean, five is going to be tough. They're only three games out of Cleveland. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The other thing with Chicago is it makes you older, right? It makes you older. Although Levine's not young anymore. He's younger than the other two all-stars on their team. And it, it kind of like now I have to re-sign Vucevic. It, 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 I got to re-sign Vucevic. It, it decreases my leverage a little bit with him. Uh, just uh, the opposite of the Wizards kind of um, – increase their leverage in trading Kuzma. Like now, if you want Kuzma, you have to come with a big, big offer. It may have hurt their leverage re-signing Kuzma, but it helped their leverage in trading Kuzma. I just think it's interesting. Um, I also had DeMar uh, on my Eastern Conference All-Star squad as one of the, is either the second guard of the backups or one of the wild cards. I just think he's been, I'm not going to reveal the whole column now in part because I still haven't made all my decisions. I just think he's he's played a ton of minutes. I just think he's a little bit more consistent as a scorer and a playmaker than either Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle. I have him over both of those guys. Um, I don't know if either Nick is going to make my 12-man all-star I don't team. have him on there. It's, I don't you know, either and Knicks people are player. just, people get they're so They're having outraged. good years. They're having great, they're having, it's hard, it's, man. It's hard to make the all-star well, that's team. The, that, that's the thing. It's like, and it, it always drives me crazy when people say people get snubbed. And I always say, well, who's coming off, right? Like, yeah, if you're going to say snubbed, give me like, who's come, who's coming off? Like, you know, Halberton has missed some games, but. Has to be see, on it. Has to be on it. Yeah. You see his impact with him not on the roster, you know, oh, leading the league that, in assists. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. Perfect transition. Tyrese Halliburton has to be on it. In fact, the um, the second guard spot for me in the starting lineup, and I have a ballot for the starters, came down to Halliburton and Jalen Brown. Yep. Um, that's how good Halliburton has been despite his recent injury. 
The Pacers are 0 and 6 without Halliburton. Um they play I believe that next to two of the next three nights they play they have a bunch of games coming up. Um and that was my next question for you. They're now down to 23 and 25. They are ninth in the East. A game a tied now with the Bulls actually at the ninth and 10th spots. The Raptors are the Raptors are not cl- climbing. The Raptors are clinging to life, but they're clinging to life just two games behind the Pacers and well, they have a decision to make. The Wizards you know who are tied with the Raptors are coming for coming for 10th, baby. Coming for 10th. Or they have they're you know the Wizards are accumulating some some good play in experience. They're, they're going to become like the play in like Char- well Charlotte Charlotte had accumulated that right. It wasn't pretty. Man, Charlotte is <laughs> Charlotte is uh, Charlotte is not fun to watch. I thought you know who is fun to watch? Mark Williams. Yeah, they, they finally so happy, put that like, dude in the rotation. He's good, man. And it's it's so funny because I wrote that article in Wendy's column back in December. I basically just bludgeoned them about their draft history, and then all of a sudden, like you know how it works, it's like the curse. Like the next day, Mark Williams played, and he had like seventeen and seven. I was like, whoa, where did you come from? Thank God. I watched them play the Rockets the other day, and again, that is Hornets Rockets is a sign that I have a lot of problems. Um, and the Rockets announcers were like. Oh my God! Mark Williams has blocked every single shot since he's been on the court. He never stops dunking. He had like six dunks in the game. I like Mark Williams. I don't. No, on Charlotte, we're not talking about Charlotte, except to say now that we're here on Charlotte, I, I think the intel I'm hearing, I'm wondering what you're hearing, is you know El, Rogier, Hayward, Ubre. Ubre's hurt now. Hayward to me, I love Gordon Hayward. He's a great player. To me, as a trade candidate, as a buyer, he, I I just have to write him off as a zero. He I just does, he just them. doesn't play I can't enough. Trust them. He doesn't I can't play trust enough. Them. And Rogier's not had a great year. The guy that I keep mentioning as someone I would try to get is PJ Washington. The intel I keep hearing now is I, I think that's quieted down, and they seem pretty determined to keep him in restricted free agency. Have you heard the same? I have. I think the the bridges stuff also complicates a lot of things, right? Like what direction, you know, that, cause that went from, you know, things were maybe both sides were negotiating and then they came out, like they were pretty adamant, like nothing is going on with um, miles bridges. The Hornets were, I think they mm-hmm. even sent out like a press release or a statement um, regarding that to the, to the observer. Um, so I think it's hard for them, um, you know, to move off PJ, not knowing wh- what's going to happen with bridges. I think, PJ is interesting just because, you know, his number from what I understand what was offered was like in that four years, 52, 53 area. Same, same with Hachimura and they're not yeah. dissimilar players. I think PJ um, Washington's better, but similar number. And we'll see if that's a little bit north. So I would say, yeah, I mean, that was Mike. Yeah, he was in my fake trade like to um, to Golden State. Right. Like, I remember that, about yeah. that. Um, so I would say probably less, you know, the other guys you mentioned, I think they're all up, you know, Mason Plumlee's having a really good year. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because it's please to the whole Plumlee family. I apologize for what I'm about to say to all the Plumleys, Mason, Marshall, Miles, Mr. And Mrs. Plumlee. I don't know if there is a sisters of Plumlee sisters. I hate watching Mason Plumlee play. I just, I hate it. I hate it. He's stiff. He's awkward. He's shooting jumpers lefty now, not just free throws. He shot a pick and pop lefty jump the other day. I don't know why I'm even talking about this. I think I need to see a therapist for how much I hate watching Mason Plumlee play. And yet, Bobby, it's every game. 16, 12, and 5. 
like he's I, I i i have to just say i understand someone's got to put up numbers in charlotte someone's got to get these numbers he's been good this year i don't know that i would like trade for him and be like you're my you're i'm gonna play you 20 minutes as a backup center but i i need to get over my mason Plumley blind spot because he's been i can't i can't talk about this anymore pacers 23 and 25 the question that really matters is I, Halliburton's out a little bit longer. Let's say this swoon continues. We've all kind of buried the Turner healed for Russ in two first round picks deal and pivoted to is Turner going to sign an extension with Indiana? Um, I, I don't think that that deal doesn't seem to be alive to me still right now, despite this Pacers swoon. But I wonder, have you heard anything about if this feel good season ends now in term if they keep falling and all of a sudden they look up and they're like well we're seventh in the lottery standings does this change their uh, approach at all i think it, the realist there was that this probably wasn't sustainable as far as being in the top six um eventually we're going to come back to earth a little bit here although um as you mentioned you have you know you have to make a decision with turner renegotiation i wouldn't be you know, I'm interested to see if, if something gets done before the deadline um, or after, you know, we've, we've talked about $27 million in cap space. Um, I don't think he's going to get, you know, the full amount, which is you can boost it up to like 36, 37 million. So it's another 18 there. Um, I don't see the Lakers coming back with a, you know, Russ and two ones for those two guys right now. I'd be surprised, um, you know, about that. Especially um, the way Thomas Bryan is playing and yeah, how Anthony I, Davis needs to play center. Like that's been the obstacle all along to that, to that deal. Yeah. I mean, and that, and that, and then that's your kind of, you, you know, you, you sacrifice those two and those, that, those are your two free agents, basically, you, you know, if you resign Turner and you have healed for another year here, um, but you look at, um, but you look at their roster besides those two players, like I like TJ McConnell. He's having a good year and he's on a good contract. Right. So there's not a pressing need to move off. But I, I think they're more of um, less upgrading their roster, which I thought we could have seen maybe with that Boston and um, that Cleveland pick. Right. They've got Boston, Cleveland pick, or are they buyers with those two picks? Right. Do we put those in play um, and see what you can get? But I think you're looking at more of like salary dumps. Right. I think you're looking at, I mean, they've got 15 players, but you'd, you'd have to wait. I think they're more of like, I had put in there like, you know, if Phoenix was looking to get off money, right? If, um, you know, Sarich, for an example, right? You know, saves them $30 million in tax. Um, like, that's the type of deals I was looking at more from, from Indiana's perspective than some of these bigger names. Phoenix has got to do something. They're 24 and 24. They've now won three in a row after a, a devastating stretch where they just didn't have, they didn't have bodies. Chris Paul is back. Booker will be back at some point, hopefully soon. Cam Johnson's back. Um, they still don't have campaign. Aiton's missed a couple recently. They're get, they're going to get healthy. It would be hard for them to pivot down the standings, given that what I've heard about this new uh, incoming owner is that he does not want to do that. He wants to to win, and um, obviously Chris Paul is. 37 years old or 36, whatever he is, and and needs to win. And if you have Chris Paul on your team being productive, and he's been pretty productive after a slow start, you need to win. 
Um, and you mentioned all these, the Shamit, Sarich contracts. They have a lot of movable contracts. Um, and they just have this Crowder situation that, you know, every week there's like, oh, there was almost this seven-team deal where Crowder went. It's always Milwaukee. And I was I think I was the first one to say at the beginning of the season, keep an eye on Milwaukee for Crowder. I think he fits there. I think they want him as the sort of P.J. Tucker 2.0. I, I still think if you ask me what team is Jay Crowder on in April – Maybe it's the Globetrotters. I don't know. I would guess. I would guess the Suns. I, I mean, I would guess the Bucks. I would guess the Bucks because I just think the interest is there. The Suns have to make a deal at some point. I, they have all their picks. They have all the swap rights. You know, they were KD's team back when KD had a list. That list is gone for now. Um, they got to do something, right? Is there any Suns buzz out there? No. I mean, it's really, it's really Crowder. I mean, and it's like eventually time is going to run out. Right. I mean, you're, we're two weeks, almost two weeks away here. And, you know, you're not going to get a first form for a guy who hasn't played um, since last since the Dallas series here. I think if you're if you're you know, if you're um, Phoenix, you know, like I, I would be concerned. I mean, if I was Milwaukee, I would be concerned giving up like Pat Connaughton and um, George Hill. But this like, Pat that, Connaughton like, thing. Someone pitched this to me last week, an executive from another team. Hey, I heard the Bucks are going to trade Pat Connaughton for Jay Crowder. Like, is Pat Connaughton just better than Jay Crowder? Like, why am I doing that? I understand Jay Crowder's bigger, more switchable on defense. Like, Pat Connaughton's good. Like, I don't – why am I doing yeah, that? And you've, and he's you on a good contract. He's a good extension. And he's on a good ex- – he just – his extension doesn't even kick in yet. You get him for a few more – four years. I just – like, that's – for me, like – if I'm Milwaukee, like what, how am I getting there? Right. Like how, I mean, it's, 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 it's probably George Hill and something else, but is it, I mean, I don't know if I want to give up Grace Allen. Right. Like, well, that's, that's why, that's why all these three team trades. Happen. Yeah. For, someone told me that, uh, that it has some interest in Crowder, that the, the Suns seem to want two of the following three things, a good young player, a first round pick, and a rotation, a, almost a starter Crowder level player, two of those three. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet. Because he hasn't, we're 50 games into the season. He hasn't played. And he's in the last year of his contract. Like, throw the, the Heat have also been an obvious Crowder team. Yeah. They've had Jay Crowder. They like Jay Crowder. He yells at Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler yells at him. It all works. Everybody yells at each other. Hashtag Heat culture. Um, would they, should they trade Caleb Martin? For Jay Crowder, Caleb Martin's been pretty no. good. He's younger than Jay Crowder. He's got a good no. contract. Like I think Jay Crowder's to to the average NBA fan, Jay Crowder's a, a better player, a bigger name, and maybe he is a better player. Certainly more rugged and playoff proven. Is that worth my while though? The Heat are the Heat are going to try to do something for sure. I, I don't know if that ends up being it, but like that's not a no brainer to me. I might not even do that if I were Miami. Well, I think what's hurt too is that he. And it, he hasn't played, right? I think if he would have been like, you know, when PJ Tucker was traded from Houston to Milwaukee, he was on the court, right? He played, right? Like, so I think there would be more interest if he, if he was out there um, competing and seeing where got, you know, like maybe it, it becomes maybe the two out of those three things on that Phoenix wish list gets checked off here. But I just think, you know, his shooting numbers started to take a little bit of a dive. What's what type of role is he willing to accept? Is he willing to come off your bench for you? You know, like that's for me, that's where I'm like, you know, Hey, I'll give you, you know, an expiring and maybe a, a guy that's got another year in a second like that. That's, you know, that's probably more of the, the, the price tag. Did you have uh, 
either Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Butler on your 12-man Eastern Conference All-Star team? I had Bam on my 12-man. Not Butler. I didn't have I didn't have Butler. He's on like my reserve my al- alternate list there. I think Bam has to be a lock. I think yeah. he's just been too good. I understand Randall scores more points. Brunson is a, is a little bit better of a playmaker. Bam's just Bam's just better than those guys. He's just better. Well, um, he helped. I mean, when that thing was sink, you know, with injuries and guys, like basically had like nine guys playing. Like he, I mean, he basically kind of held that together for them. What I had a hard time with picking my East reserves are so in the West you have four players who have played. Three of them have played well south of a thousand minutes, which is like nothing. Like you've barely participated in not barely, but like that's just not a lot of minutes. If you haven't played a thousand minutes and you you're and they're still out, which means they're just gonna end up missing more than half their team's games by the time the all star game comes around. And then there's another Devin Booker who's played just over a thousand minutes. It's Devin Booker, Zion Williamson, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's no it, there's really no logic to putting one on and not putting all of them on your 12-man roster. Like, if you put Zion on, Lakers fans have a real argument. Like, I don't understand. Like, 100 minutes? AD's played 100 fewer minutes, and, like, that disqualifies him? Phoenix fans, wait, wait you put Zion on? Yeah, the Pelicans are good. They're five games over 500 now. They're not, like, great, and I realized they were much better with Zion, but we were much better with Devin Booker. He's not on. So it's hard to make a logical argument to include one, but not all three, all four, or maybe three. In the East, you have two guys who have played like five more games than that and like 200 more minutes than that. So that's a significant, like somewhere in there is my line of demarcation. Like they've played like 35 games in 1,100 to 1,200 minutes. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. has played like 750 minutes. AD's at 830. Those two guys are James Harden and Jimmy Butler. And what makes them complicated is if you look at the numbers, and particularly if you look at all the advanced metrics, all of them, they leap out as like they have to be on your all-star team. Like their their advanced numbers are so much better than everyone else's in this sample other than Halliburton and Giannis, who's, you know, is someone in that front court of Embiid, Tatum, Durant, Giannis is going to have to come off the bench. Uh, did you have Harden on? No. Here, here's my issue, and and he's played well. I mean, they're on a great run right now. Harden has been under the radar. I, I just awesome. have like, I mean, maybe I'm just biased. I just have this sour taste in my mouth from that Oklahoma City game, that home game where they they lost. And his defense, Zach, might have been the worst I've ever seen anybody play. Like I, 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 and I just can't get it out of my mind how bad he was defensively here. And I know we have to look at the whole body of work here, but um, I mean, I think if I if I'm putting if I'm looking at the East guards, I had Drew Holiday on there. He's 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 either going to make it or be a very tough cut. Yeah, um, you know, I mean, the, I mean, certainly the Kyrie situation, he'll make probably make it as a starter, right? Yeah, I I do it. I start from scratch. You yeah. know, Kyrie's been incredible, and they've won these last two games without Durant. And he's been incredible in both of them. I just, you know, maybe I'm getting old, but if your own team decides that you need to go away for a little while, um, I don't, I think you sit out my all-star team that year. If your own team is like, we don't want you around 
for a prolonged period of time. And it's nice that they've righted the ship. I just think you just you sit you sit all star you sit out you sit out Utah this year on my on my fake ballot that doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's not, I'm not it's not funny like I'm not being I'm not joking like the, the, his own team was like dude you just gotta go away. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, ooh, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code LOW. That's code LOW, L-O-W-E, my last name, the name of this podcast. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Let me ask um, you a question here. You got Damian Lillard on your all-star ballot, and I know that sounds like a loaded, that sounds like, what do you, why would he ask that? But do you have Damian Lillard on there? I do. I don't think it's a no-brainer, but I do think he needs to be on it. Uh, let's talk about Portland. Yeah. Um, let's use that as a transition to talk about Portland. Yeah. Uh, they are down to 22-25. and 25. They finally won last night against the Spurs, who stink. Uh, that ended a, a, some amount of games losing streak that included that Lakers comeback. They are in the middle of a stretch where they play a whole bunch of home games. And going into that stretch, I think they felt very, very good about themselves. They were 500 or maybe one game under. They had a bunch of road games already in the bag. And here came this stretch. And it started with like Orlando, you know, Cleveland. I think Cleveland was missing somebody for that game. That was a winnable game. Lakers at home, winnable game. And it hasn't gone well. And then I, you and I talked yesterday about the Damian Lillard post-game media availability after the Lakers game when he was asked about the trade deadline. And whether you wanted to see something, action of some kind. Um, and he kind of, I, I think, I think I couldn't quite understand why the question made him so angry. I think he felt like he was being baited maybe into saying something that was either going to make, that was just going to be maybe not reflect well on his current teammates or, or something. And he just didn't like the question. And it got the whole league sort of on notice about like, wait a second, is, is this is this something going wrong here? We both kicked around, you know, checked in around the Blazers and stuff yesterday. What'd you hear? Nothing. I don't, I think it's more of a, a player that's, you know, I think the Laker game and I, I, the Laker game left a really sour taste in his mouth. And he even commented after they beat it, um, beat San Antonio by 20, like how hard it was to come to the gym with, with based, he like, he's like, I still have that mind that, that second half, on my mind. I think he's just, I think he's looking at it like, you know, I just want to play basketball. Stop asking me these questions. And it's, it's really hard. What they've been trying to do there is that you, you, you basically kind of like retool on the fly. I mean, I've been writing about it. It's like extremely hard as far as um, what they're trying to, to accomplish, but I don't see, I, I don't see anything from, um, from Lillard's standpoint, I mean, I think it's just hard with how the roster is, is that you're 67,000 below the luxury tax. You have basically no first round picks to trade because you owe Chicago a, a top 14 protected for basically like the next six years. Right. So it basically has to be two it's years. A, after it's a, that. That's a weird yeah. pick. And that's the Larry Nance. Uh, that was the Larry Nance um, trade that with Chicago yep. and Cleveland and all that stuff. Um, 
their bench, we've it's been well documented. Bench has been bad, right? Bench is not well, it's been just, good. It's been, it's been unhealth. It, it's it, been injured. It, it, yeah, and now it's had, less so. Yeah, you had uh, Nasir Little out for a while. Justice Winslow has been out. Um, Nurkic has not been good. Um, Nurkic has not been good. Um, and you're, you got four years of him. I mean, that's a problem, you know, at a bit at a six, 15, $16 million number here. And then you've got the Jeremy Grant situation where, as we've talked about, you know, we, that extension is still sitting there. 113 million for four years um, could be a free agent this off season. And if you sign him either to that or another number, like you're locked in, man, like between Lillard, uh, Simons, Grant, um, you know, you're committing close to probably over 80, 90 million dollars in those, um, you know, those three players. They've become the team that I kind of thought they were before the season when I referred to them as meh, just vanilla and meh. And something is just not working. Um, offensively, it, it just doesn't feel like they know quite what their identity is on offense. Like they don't want to be the Damian Lillard. 70 pick and roll the game show that they used to be <clears throat> all the pet kind of motion flex sets that Terry Stotts ran are, 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 are not there anymore, but they run Damien off screens a lot off the ball. Um, it just doesn't quite seem like they know exactly what they want to do on offense. It's their offense is fine. And when Dame's on the court, they're winning those minutes by a lot. And then defensively, it just feels like, you know, Chauncey Billups has talked about how small they are across the board. And it's like, well, yeah, that's the team that you guys built. It's not and they were team. they were small last year before they when they had that was the big complaint when they had um Lillard, Simons, and Norman Powell. You know, the three guards. They were it's like a under six three lineup as far as, you know, with that. And I just I, I just feel like we're living this same movie again where the Lillard Simons backcourt is just never going to be able to defend. They're just never going to be able to have a good defense with those two guys at the top of it. And I just don't know what to do. Like you mentioned Nurkic. Nurkic has been wildly up and down this year. He had a huge game last night against the Spurs. He's Nurkic is f- whatever. He's fine. He's just an okay starting center. When people ask, you know, how could the Blazers pivot if they decide to go into sell mode? Well, they and and Dame. Let's do Dame. There, there's. I have not heard anything about Dame being anything like Dame's going to be on the Blazers, as far as I know. Could they trade Nurkic? I'm like, what well, is anyone like? Does anyone want? I mean, Yusuf Nurkic is fine. He has three years and fifty five million dollars left on his contract, and he's like a like a old school starting center. Does anybody want? Is anyone backing up the Brinks truck for that? Then, then it's like Josh Hart is a name that is mm-hmm. very, very hot right now. Yep. A lot of teams would like Josh Hart. We mentioned Crowder from Miami. I think Miami would would will probably express some interest in Josh Hart. He's a Heat guy, Heat kind of guy, and he has that weirdo contract where he's essentially probably going to be a free agent after this yeah, year. Yeah, he's right? got a, it's weird. It's got a player option, and if he if he um, picks it up and comes back, then the contract becomes non guaranteed. So I think he's going to. He'll probably become a free agent. Well, Josh Hart is good despite his recent aversion to shooting threes, which seems to be abating. He's been shooting threes. Someone clearly spoke to him in the last week, like, dude, you got to shoot. He's good. And here's the world we live in, Bobby, and it's very different from the world you lived in when you worked in the league. Nobody cares about expiring contracts anymore. Expiring contracts like used to be this golden chip of like we can get picks and players. 
I, nobody needs expiring contracts anymore. No one's cap sheet is clogged for the next four years. No one has a really good player on a long-term deal they need to get rid of. This just they don't have the same currency anymore. So Josh Hart on an expiring contract, like what am I get? What's the point of that for me? If I'm the player, it's not like it's going to make my team appreciably worse. I'm not going to tank because I traded Josh Hart. I don't. I don't see what the point is. Yeah, I mean you're right. They don't have the, the currency like they did. I mean we we signed Chris Humphreys to a whatever a one year twelve million dollar deal on an expiring because we thought it had value, right? I mean that's like that's not the mindset anymore that um that you know that that teams have and um he's really kind of if you break it i mean like you know jeremy grant you know basically whoever you know if they ever put him on the market he's not going to be able to sign an extension and then you're basically gonna have to over you're gonna have to overpay him i mean that's usually the cardinal rule right when you give up so much for a player that you have to overpay to retain him here and what does that do for portland like that's that's it. So there's really no easy answer as far as what they can, you know, what they can do, unless it becomes a point where you look at Simons, right? Like, does that well, break you up into two two guys, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. They're only ch- if they want to retool. If they just conclude this roster is not good enough, we need to retool around Damian Lode. Like Damian Lode's our guy. He's ten toes in. We're never trading him. He's going to be a blazer for life. Your only avenues to do that are Grant and Simons. That's it. And Simons' thing is dangerous because he's so young. He's the bridge to your post-Damian Lillard future. And Damian Lillard's in his early to mid-30s now or whatever he is. I mean, I, I, I'll look it up later. But he's not young anymore, obviously. Trading Simons really kind of leaves you a little bit naked in the future. And Grant, okay, so say you trade Grant, like, I, you better nail that trade. You better get two good rotation players that really fit and a pick and something. And that's not easy uh, on a, you know, with a guy that this summer is going to get paid a whole lot of money, probably by you. And if we're talking sign and trades or trades next year, trading him now on an expiring deal, that's tricky. I don't know what the avenue here going forward is, but I thought this was a 500 team coming into the season. It looks like a 500 team. It's an interesting 500 team. They've just started to reintegrate Gary Payton II. As you mentioned, Nasir Little just came back. It's an interesting team. I just And there's going to be a lot of noise around Josh Hart. And if they, if they, if they really kind of spiral the next two weeks, I think that may change their mindset a little bit. But I just don't, I don't know what they could do. Well, yeah, I mean that's that's your guy because then what you probably do is that you probably you you I mean we've seen a little more more of Shaden Sharp, right? Kind of um, you know in a, from a minute standpoint. Now does he, you know, you basically go with him to sear little, you know. Eventually we'll see Winslow back, but you're right. I mean, like the Peyton thing is like, and that's that's the the challenge when you have when you're limited to what you can pay players and you have you know I, I'd love to go back and do a study on how many teams the mid-level or the tax mid-level exception have it's fa- it's it hasn't worked out and Peyton's been injured so it's hard to say but like you you go back in in history here and if you miss out on that basically one of your own little you know tools to sign guys um that that certainly hurts you um let's go back and talk about um, Toronto for a second because our, our old colleague Chris Haynes is reporting that Fred Van Vliet something that I had heard last week and hadn't been able to nail down, has changed agents, um, which is always interesting when it's timed to 
uh, someone's free agency. And uh, it doesn't say who his new agent is going to be. I think I know who his new agent is going to be, but mm-hmm. I haven't confirmed it yet. But either way, um, you know, the Toronto thing, Toronto's 21 and 27. They're just not good. Like, they don't no. show signs of being good. Even when they win, you don't come out thinking, you know what's oh, funny I'm- too, though, Zach, is like when I look at their lineup, I like, I like, I like their lineup. I like their start. You know, like when oh, you like, just look at it before the, you know, like when you like, I just, I like it. But then you're, when things. You're, you're talking to the idiot who's told people to take the over on 44 and a half wins or whatever yeah. it was. Um, but then there's just something. Yeah. There, there's, I've, I've seen it. We've seen enough, right? There's enough body of work, I think, right? After 48 games to, to kind of, you know, look at this group here for, because for the most part, I know Siakam was, out you know for a little bit but for the most part it's been you know somewhat healthy fred's been in and out a little bit but they're you know you know there's a 35 game sample probably with this group siaka make your all-star team yes give me your 12 just give me your 12 eastern conference all-stars all right let me grab it here i have um mitchell brown tatum durant and bead that's my same starting lineup. Holiday, Halliburton, Giannis, Bam, Siakam. I have Kyrie just because I, I should have probably gone by your philosophy. No, <laughs> I had, everyone, I had, he's been I have on Kyrie the court. He's De, been amazing. Kyrie and DeRozan. Fair enough. Um, so Siakam was on it. Yeah. Uh, so the Toronto thing, I... I, I I don't know what direction they want to go, but I, I I don't think they can look at their team and say the big run is coming. This is this is a a sleeping giant. There it doesn't appear that way. So there are two different versions of the Toronto thing. There's the traditional sort of like ho hum, like Fred VanVleet may not come back here. Let's see what we can get for him instead of losing him for nothing. Gary Trent may not come back here. Let's see what we can get instead of losing him for nothing. And he's been I think the hottest or, or at least seems to be the most likely Raptor yeah. to be moved. Um, although I think he's playing very well for them. And I, I think the, you know, there have been murmurings over the years that he's not thrilled there. I, I, I have heard the opposite. I've heard he's okay there, but, um, uh, and then there's the big one, which is moving Ananobi or Siaka. Yeah. Those are two completely different things. The first one, the Van Vliet Trent one is sort of standard team building stuff. The second one is we no longer believe in the Ananobi Barnes Siakam construction. We're going to sell as high as possible, likely on Ananobi, in which case a lot of teams will register interest in Toronto. will get some good stuff back for OG Ananobi. Those are two different things. My favorite Van Vliet deal that I mentioned before the season, before the season, was Kyle Lowry back to Toronto uh, along with a heat pick, first round pick for Van Vliet. I still like that trade. I don't think the Heat would do it because I just I think they they if we're, we're trading a pick we're doing it in the mega in the Heat mega deal for the next big guy that comes to the Heat. I like that trade. I mean Fred can go Fred can go lots of different places. I mentioned the Clippers for him. Yeah, you know the Wolves have a point guard situation that I, I think is kind of quieted down with D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell's like kind of had a good year for them yeah. shooting the ball really well. I have yeah. not heard a lot of D'Lo stuff anymore. I don't know where the Fred Van Vliet journey ends this season. Maybe it just ends in Toronto. I like that Miami trade, but I don't sense a lot of traction on my fake trade. No, I mean I had I had in my fake trade I had him with to the Clippers. 
you know, just for a package of, um, you know, they have, I don't know if I would, if I were the Clippers, I would consider moving Terrence Mann, you know, like, yeah, it's too much for me. So like basically like take, you know, take Batum and not Batum, uh, Covington and whatever you get to the number and we'll throw in a first round pick and kind of go from there. Um, I think that my concern with, with, you know, certainly with Fred, um, four for four for one fourteen, which is his number right now is it's a pretty good number. Um, I mean, that's what he's, that's what he's, that's what he's eligible for right now. Um, He's, I mean, he's right that he's outplayed his contract. I think he's 19th among all point guards um, in salary. Um, 19? But man, he's played a ton of minutes. <laughs> man, he has. He's second behind Harden in the last four years in minutes played. I mean, there is a, there's a, there's a lot of wear and tear here, and he's played pretty good um, the last few games. I think for me, I would, I would look probably more at OG. I mean, his uh, his last five games have not been good. Um, I mean, I think you see 37% and 37 from the field, 33%, 11 points here. It's going to be interesting because I think we're going to get some clarification, Zach, as far as from a CBA standpoint. And then hopefully by this time, the um, by the trade deadline comes into play. And I think one of the, and I wrote about it today in, in, uh, in Wendy's column, one of the things that we might be heading towards is some of these extension rules being tweaked um, where like OG as is basically we're going to we're going to hear about his name forever right because he's not going to sign an extension because he's limited for 120%. But if they change the rules where basically you're t- it's the percentage of the cap, okay? So it's for him like 30%, then that might that might change things a little bit here, but I think for him as you've mentioned before, like he's got the most value and you've said it like, you know, what are we looking for? We're looking for um, a Murray type package from that San Antonio guy, you know, a two ones, a pick swap, but maybe a first from another team here. Um, And I think if teams have an understanding that these rules are going to change or potentially change, I think that maybe even gives Toronto even a little bit more um, leverage here. Yeah, I think I said on a prior podcast in a fit of exuberance that I, I think the return could like approach Donovan and Mitchell levels of return. What I really meant to say and what I should have said was in draft equity yeah. only. Like, there's no marketing yeah. coming back co- coming back in that trade. There's no on court talent. I just I just meant draft equity, and I think even that is overstating. I think the Murray one is a better comp because I think. Toronto will surely ask for two first-round picks, and if multiple teams meet that price, well, then that just sort of leads you to you're going to get something else uh, above that. You know, the other thing I want to say is, again, the, the, every uh, every not every team, but lots of teams have registered interest in OG and Obi, right? Like he's just the player type that every team wants—a big yep. wing who can shoot threes, although he's not shooting well this season. And he was for a while the Defense Player of the Year kind of hot name. He's very good defensively. Um. The 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 team that I've that has been uh, other Chris Vernon has been on this for a while is Memphis and you know I've been all over Memphis to make a trade all over them I mentioned Kuzma he maybe he's off the table now Bogdanovich would be just absolutely perfect for them uh, Detroit Bogdanovich I don't think they can get up to the money I keep hearing that they don't want to trade Danny Green that they love Danny Green's locker room presence they think he might play for them the rest of the season whenever he comes back and that's a ten million dollar chip that is otherwise off the table then. And one thing I said once was one of the reasons I wanted them to go for a just a smaller upgrade like that. Like what you don't have to save your chips for like a 
all-NBA-level player in three years. You're not promised three years from now. Three years from now is promised to nobody in the NBA. You're good enough now to make a run at it. Just upgrade those Roddy Aldama Conchar minutes to like a guy who's really proven. And I really want them to do that. And one of the arguments I made was, well, you're saving your money for this like theoretical superstar X. How are you going to pay that guy, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain, and John Morant? And, and a couple of executives around the league heard that and said, hey, look at their cap sheet. Take a closer look. A lot of this is dependent on what Bain gets. Morant's going to likely get the Supermax. Yeah. So his deal is going to go up by X percent com- compared to what it's projected to be. Bain is going to be a critical negotiation for them. And they have a history of bringing their guys back on good deals. Yep. If they get Bain on something closer to 25, then what's Bain's max going to be? 32 or something? It's the yeah, same, the hero style thing. Yeah, 33, somewhere around there. If they get him back at like 25, just say, hey, we're going to offer you security, like blah, blah, blah. Uh, not the max, but really good. That Jaron Jackson Jr. deal looms as a very critical contract for them. It declines from 29 this year to 27, 25, and 23 in 25, 26. Depending on what happens to the tax, there is a world in which they can actually have Bain Morant, Jackson, and really good player X and stay under-ish or near the te- like and their owner is making a gazillion bedillion dollars every single day like it it's it actually may not be untenable for them to have four star level players especially if the fourth guy is an Anunobi level player who's like a top whatever 40 50 player but not a top 12 player and makes the requisite amount of salary like that's that's not out of bounds the math in in math terms and it wouldn't surprise me if Toronto ever gets to the point of really trying to see what they can get for Andonobi if Memphis actually does kick the tires. That's the one name. They've been very hesitant to trade any of their guys, any of their picks. That's the one name. Verno nailed this from the beginning. I could see them looking at it. I mean, they've got everything to offer. I mean, besides, as you mentioned, their own ones, and they've got a Golden State pick, and they've got contracts to do it. And as you said, their cap sheet is clean. They're never a team that goes out. Um, as a team with room, right? They're really never, they're kind of a team that just hovers around it. Um, and eventually, like, you've got all these young players on these minimum contract, I mean, on these first round contract. There's a reason why they basically have stockpiled it, right? Like, eventually, they'll become an expiration date on these players and then the next wave of players here. And it, it would be fascinating just it's because what it's, the, it's not, what they did with Melton. Yeah. Like, as soon as we resign Melton for a good number, flip him for a pick. Yeah, I mean, con- uh, contra too, right? I mean, like guys like that, um, Brandon Clark, you know, the Brandon Clark's number is a good number, right? 12 and a half. Um, but we've talked about it. Like, it's just, it would kind of go out of character a little bit um, because they love to draft, right? We know we love to draft, but I just think we get to a point where we always can't think just because we have Ja and Jaron and, um, you know, we're Desmond Bain, like our window is going to be open forever. Like, I just, I think what we saw in the end of the Laker game, the start of Phoenix, and then I know Jod didn't play in Sacramento when they got their doors blown off. I think that has to be a little bit of a kind of a little bit of a wake up call here. Um, 
I I like that we got through this whole podcast without mentioning the Shannon Sharp brouhaha. Uh, well, I, the only thing I mentioned about it was when da- our own Dave McMenamin got him in that back uh, in the interview. I literally had to click on Dave's profile to make sure this was not a hacked account. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to say anything else. <laughs> The Clippers, just to wrap up, wrap up here. The Clippers are definitely going to do something. You mentioned the Clippers and, and Van Vliet. I don't I'll know tell what, you the, what. Cli- I, 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 what we, the Dallas game the other night, or what was that Sunday? Like, that's the team I've been waiting for, man. Right? Well, but it's every third game. Yeah. They play, like the, the last time they played Dallas was, I thought was maybe the best they had looked all season, other than the Celtics win, maybe. And then they, you know, t- three more games happen. Kawhi doesn't play two of them. PG doesn't play the other one. They crap the bed in the middle. It's like, what is this team? Um, I agree with you. That's the team. And they played Covington and Zubats together, which is something they've been hesitant to do. I think that's interesting. I'm not as enamored with that as some of the the uh, the Clippers blogarati. Um, but I do think they're going to do something. The problem, as you mentioned, is any team with a player worth, worth their while, a player who's really going to change their life, a Van Vliet type, is going to say Terrence Mann in a first-round pick. That's where it starts. And they don't want to trade Terrence Mann, and they shouldn't want to trade Terrence Mann. So I think it's going to be like, look, we all know they have a million wings. They're thin at the one and they're thin at the five. I think it's more likely to just be like a small move somewhere at those positions. Um, and and that's the end of my Clippers thoughts. I do think they're pretty likely to do to do something. Is there any team you wanted to hit that we didn't hit? And then I'm going to ask you for your Western Conference 12-team all-star roster. I think we hit on everything here. I mean, we um... – yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Oklahoma City is fascinating, like just because they're in a position where I think they're one year away from making a big, you know, a, let this thing, let's see if we can get into playing. Let's see how we play, you know, competitive games down a stretch here. And then they're an interesting team like a year from now to talk about, right? From a trade from a trade standpoint here, just because they have like, I love, I love how like basically they roll with, you know, Shea, Dort, um, Santa Clara, Williams and Giddy. And then basically every game is a rotation at center, right? You got Kenrick Williams, you got Arkansas, Jalen Williams, and you've got um, Mike Muscala, right? And it's like a, it's like a rotation here. And um, I think they're kind of a year away from like, let's talk about, all right, do we get to a point where we start consolidating some of these draft picks in here? Um, but they are, um, I mean, there are, they come after you, man. Like they come, they compete every night. Yeah. They're, uh, they're kind of playing with house money. You know, the team I wanted to ask you about is, is the Kings. Yeah. Um, because Simmons is Bill Simmons has been on this a lot that the Kings should make a win now move. They should really go all in on the season. And, you know, I look at their team and there's always, everyone is always fake trading Harrison Barnes everywhere. Harrison Barnes averaging like 16 a game and shooting 40% from three and a career high on twos, I think. Um, and the sweetener, I mean, Keegan Murray's not a sweetener. Keegan Murray's good. Keegan Murray's shooting 42% on threes. He's just a good basketball player. I kind of think the Kings, and I think the argument for making a win now move is the Kings are third. Oh my God, what a story. Are they going to be underdogs in the first round if they're third? They might be. They might be. Certainly a perception of it will be that they're underdogs. They need to do something. I kind of think the smartest thing for the Kings to do, unless something amazing falls into their lap, is just like, 
chill. Enjoy what's happening. Do not do anything short-sighted that is going to sacrifice any of your future picks. You already traded one for Herder, a great deal. Like, just let let the good vibes flow. Maybe you trade a Holmes uh, for a Rashawn Holmes for a couple seconds or whatever you can get just to declutter the backup center thing. I, I just kind of have you heard any Kings buzz? I, the only thing I would be I wouldn't be surprised if they take that trade. They have a four million dollar trade exception and use that you know, in a deal here, they've got an open roster spot here and take back something, maybe kind of just like a fringe type move here. And even like, you know, I wrote about um, a little bit about Terrence, uh, um, Terrence Davis here, like he's, just, he's, he's on an expire and they like him that, you know, they like him as far as, you know, his yeah. minutes are kind of up and down, but he's kind say, of I'm, a, not, I'm not sure he's loving his, uh, his playing time there. He's, yeah, he's I mean, the he's name like I a, would look at as a, as an outgoing trade piece. Yeah. I mean, so you basically have, Three trade pieces here. If you don't want to touch main your guys, you know, you got Alex Len on an expiring contract. You mentioned Holmes and you've got Terrence Davis, right? Like that's, and then you've got this trade exception. That's kind of where you are. Yeah. Dude, I, I, something fringy, fine. I just like, don't get too crazy, Kings. Don't get too crazy. All right. Wrap up. Give me your Western Conference 12 man all star team starters and bench. All right. So I have um, Luca, Ja. Guard. Luca and Ja is the starting guards. Yep. Um, uh, LeBron, Zion, as a starter, yeah. Whoa, eight hundred and thirty-six minutes, Bobby. I know. Or nine? No, that's AD. Nine hundred and fifty minutes. Fine, sure. Um, Jokic and Jokic. Yeah. Um, we have two. We actually have two starters that are different, which is which I think is rare for All Star. Curry. Nope, I have SGA as my second starting guard. Okay. Booker. Booker off the bench. Markinen. Gotta be there. Sabonis. He's he's a starter for me, so. Aaron Gordon. Okay. SGA. And Lillard. So no Fox. I, I it's I mean, that's why I asked you before about Lillard. I just it's like it's so hard. I mean, who who comes off, right? And again, this is all just you know. There's no point to any of this. Like no. this has no actual impact. My starters are Luca, SGA, LeBron, Sabonis, and Jokic. And I talked with Bill last week about how Market and LeBron was kind of a debate for the last starting front court spot. I think LeBron has settled that debate. It's LeBron James. He starts. Yeah. Um, my reserve guards are John, Steph Curry. That's easy. Uh, my first reserve forward is Markinen, front court player rather. And after that, it gets a little messy because I don't know what to do with Zion minutes wise. Like, why Zion and no AD? Defend that, Bobby yeah. Marks. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Hashtag Lake Show. <laughs> and then you run into like, if you don't want Zion or AD because of minutes, you're just you're running out of front court players in the West. It's weird. Yes. You don't have a lot of good front court players. So I'm you may be stuck with Aaron Gordon and then it's like Paul George. Okay. Paul George's having a good year. Like I wouldn't have any problem with Paul George making the all-star team. It doesn't feel like he's having a good year, but he is. The guy who really, because they are so strict with positions of guard and front court, is getting squeezed is Anthony Edwards. If I could find a way to slide Anthony yeah. Edwards to front court, I think I, I, I he would have a really strong case. He's been sensational for the last six weeks. It's hard to put him over Dame as a guard because that's what he's listed as. And it's hard to put him over Fox as a guard. 
Uh, and I wouldn't mind the Kings getting two. So I'm still debating what to do with the Zions and ADs of the world. And do you have you have Booker off here? You don't Booker? I, I it's it's tough, man. Yeah, like, I know. He he's not played a lot, just like these other guys, and he's yes. still out, and he's going to continue to be out. And yeah, you know, at some point you got to draw a threshold of minutes somewhere. I mean, Devin Booker, I had him on my MVP ballot last year. Like no one needs to come at me about how good Devin Booker is. The guy's amazing. I was a Devin Booker fan in like 2017. I wrote a piece about how good Devin Booker was going to be. Um, anyway, Bobby Marks, it's going to be a busy couple weeks. Am I going to see you uh, in Los Angeles for no, trade? No, Bristol, Bristol. I'll save you uh, a couple cookies from the cafe. Save me the, the Hilton Double Tree cookies, baby. That's right. Um, all right, Bobby Marks. What do we got? We got we have two trade guides out that came out late last week. I think right. We have both East. trade guides. We've got uh, in so Wendy's. you can you can you can print those babies out or save some trees and don't print them out, but sit down in front of your laptop for quite a while and read those. What else? Or we read got? them on your phone. And then in Brian Winhorse column today that he has on Mike Brown, we have uh, some extension uh, stuff regarding the next CBA. And I would think in the next uh, few weeks we'll probably hear more about some more CBA stuff. Bobby Marks, essential, essential. Thank you for your time, and I will see you soon, my friend. Thank you.